defying all hatred be the love beyond toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love You are listening to Be the Love, transcending through the shadows into a higher state of consciousness. We are souls on the journey, opening up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez, and we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. Hop on board the Ascension Bus. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Be The Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin to invite you to get centered with us. I would like to begin by inviting you to just take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present in this moment. Go ahead and just take another deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, breathing out anything you are ready to release. And just allow one more breath to come in through your nose and out through your mouth. And just feeling your body connected to the breath and this present moment. Remembering that you always have your breath to come back to. So today we have Katie Jo Holton. Katie Jo is a shamanic teacher and healer and trained with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies while completing her MA in Transformational Leadership. Her training has been ongoing, and she skillfully weaves various modalities into a powerful transformational practice. Katie Jo has walked many roads in her lifetimes, making her a relatable leader who understands the balance of compassion and accountability. Her approach to shamanic practice focuses on deepening the connection to earth and spirit by clearing illusions so that we might walk in joy, clarity, and purpose. So welcome, Katie Jo. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit about what led you on this journey to begin with. Yeah, so um, I think from a young age, I was pretty attuned to the spiritual world. Um, I grew up um, in a fairly loose Catholic family and didn't really find my place there. But I remember when I was a kid, we started getting a little looser about Sunday church days. And it was around the same time, maybe in middle school, that we decided we didn't go to church that day. Around the same time, I became a little bit curious about it. So I remember having my own ceremony in my room that day. And I feel like that was kind of one of those first moments where things started to come together for me. Um, And then, I really spent a lot of my teenage years um, with a lot of curiosity and exploration in Eastern philosophy and 
played around with meditation and um, super obsessed with Alan Watts and kind of dove into that whole world. And, um, you know, I loved it and I learned a lot from it and I still use meditation. And I also feel like, or I felt like it wasn't the whole of my being. Um, and so actually, when I was in um, my undergrad, I was doing some research with um, dreams and came across a book that referenced a shaman in the book, which was the first time I'd ever heard that term. Mm. Um, so this was like earlier on in the Googling days, but I Googled, what is that? And happened to find a workshop in Orlando uh, a few weekends uh, away from when I was looking it up. So I was just curious um, at that point in my life, I was just interested in different ways to understand consciousness and signed up and I loved it. I loved the experience of inviting the body into a spiritual practice. And again, I still love meditation as a tool. Um, and uh, especially I think as a woman, there's a way that the meditation practice can just be kind of one-sided where you're like, sit in silence and stare at a wall for eight hours. <laughs> and so I liked having the practice of singing and dancing um, and drumming to interlace with the spiritual journey. That sounds beautiful. It sounds like you've really been able to find the different um, aspects of the shaman shamanism that really um, that really called to you um, aside from outside of just the meditation realm. So yeah. tell us a little bit about um, maybe the different roads you've been down during your journey. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, I was reflecting recently. I've been, I've kind of dabbled in a lot of different things, especially in my uh, professional or maybe not so professional life. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been, uh, I've ran restaurants. Uh, I owned a natural body care business for a little while. Um, I've been a special ed TA. I full-time RV'd around the country for a few years, which had all kinds of odd jobs involved mm -hmm. in it. And um, you know what I was noticing, I think, especially in the spiritual community, there's a way that, um, you know, we're all, we're all walking the same circles or cycles. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can see people that are sort of on the other side of the circle that are doing things differently than us as being bad or having it backwards. And in the spiritual community and certainly in my life, I had a lot of reckoning with um, bringing spiritual practice um, in with business mm. and being okay with accepting exchange for my work. Mm. And so, you know, I spent a long time sort of looking at individuals that focused mainly on their career or making money and thinking like, they have it all backwards. And now that I'm moving around the circle, I'm seeing, well, most of my younger life, I was really focused on deepening spiritual practice and, and awareness. Mm -hmm. And so now I have these skills and experience to help guide other people through their awakening practice or their spiritual journey. And then meanwhile, they are able to support me from their work and their professional life um, as I'm walking my path towards sort of like the business side of the circle. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just kind of been an interesting thing to watch unfold and, you know, to realize, oh, you know, it's actually not that there's one that's right and one that's wrong, but that's the balance is that we're all on the circle and that circle mm -hmm. where we are in the circle just moves around. 
definitely. And uh, <laughs> that's uh, actually kind of what I'm uh, going through a little bit now being a, you know, Reiki practitioner and being at that level to where I could start charging people. It's like, oh, but I, you know, I have, you know, it's, it's, it's a gift. It was given to me. Why, why am I going to charge people for something that was given so freely to me? And um, you're right. Yeah. The, the, the uh, <laughs> circular thing is there was people, you know, that, that I looked at, you know, Deepak Chopra, you know, people like that, that like they're, they're, they're doing very well um, in their, you know, spiritual professions. And at first like, well, you know, that doesn't seem right. But you're right. It it uh it it is that circular thing, and it does. You know, I mean, everybody's got to make a living, right? And you know, why not make a living with something that you love to do and something that you you know you were put on this earth to do, right? So for you, you know, it's 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 the shamanic teaching, and um, for uh, those of you listening, um, I am a little familiar with Katie Joe. I did do a, a shamanic workshop. Uh, with her and we did a guided shamanic meditation which was amazing but I remember in that workshop you said something along the lines of you're like an anti-shaman or like a shamanic rebel that you don't really like follow like the indigenous shaman uh, uh, practices or or whatnot which I found really refreshing because it just seemed <laughs> like a lot of stuff to me so can you kind of uh, explain a little bit the type of shamanism that you do practice and that you do teach yeah that's a that's a great question um yeah, I, I did train with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies um, and, and with other shamans um, since then. And um, I really enjoyed uh, my experience with the Foundation. Um, I know that they can take a lot of heat for the way that they teach. And generally speaking, the way that they operate is um, you know, they teach principles that seem to be common in most communities around the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so rather than teaching a specific lineage, they're focused more on what seems to be a common part of the human experience. Um, but they, of course, have, they also teach some specific practices that come from specific lineages. Um, and there's certainly nothing wrong with, you know, being part of a specific lineage. Right. Um, but I think what we see right now is so many different practices and modalities coming together that actually can work together. And there's a way that we want to keep those separate. I think we're a little bit concerned that things will get watered down if we like loosen the boundaries up around them. Mm. Um, But I also feel like there's so much opportunity for all of our individual paths and experiences to like evolve really quickly by sharing the insights from these different modalities. So I don't even know that I would say that I have like a specific type that I teach, um, but I, I like to focus on helping individuals work through sort of their um, patterns or, you know, or, or shadows mm-hmm. so that we can kind of pinpoint where they're sort of one-sided or like, you know, like I always think of honeybees when honeybees hit a wall, they always go right. And so sometimes mm-hmm. they can get trapped because they only turn right. So helping individuals to kind of see like, oh, there's, you can go left too. And when we start moving through those, um, we end up being able to clear a lot more for ourselves and in our system and see sort of our one-sidedness or our blocks. And that allows us to open up more so that we can let spirit move through us. And then just part of that process of, you know, being the hollow bone, um, we naturally become more in tune with the earth and what the earth is kind of dreaming up for all of us. 
And so there's like a natural part of the earth being a support for us in that process. It sounds like just really, um, I mean, just bridging the gap between the different forms or different cultures of shamanism because they're in, in opening the box and recognizing that it's not just one way. And I'm wondering too, um, you know, have you seen a more of a um, expansion or interest in shamanism in the past, you know, several years than ever before? Yes, definitely. For probably a number of reasons. I mean, I think social media has helped with this and, and just it, being able to access information more easily. And, you know, I think we're really in a spot right now where there's some big power shifts. And so in that process, you know, people are expanding their awareness more and getting curious. And again, I think shamanism or, or just being um, innately connected to the earth as a human mm -hmm. makes people curious. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh yeah, actually this is kind of a natural part of who I am. And for a long time, there were a lot of blocks around exploring this type of path. And, um, and understandably, obviously, um, there's been a lot of hurt to um, the indigenous communities over the years. And so naturally wanting to keep that safe and protected is something that um, I deeply, well, I, I don't under, I can be understanding of. And also, then there's a point where it becomes a disservice. Um, so I think that's kind of where we're at is like opening that permission field for um, people to explore this part of themselves and keeping it separate doesn't really help people deepen in with their relationship with the earth and spirit. So I'd love to hear more about that deepening the connection of the earth and how one might get there to create that connection? Mm -hmm. You know, it makes me think again of um, the wisdom and insights from Eastern philosophy and uh, meditation practice, just the practice of mindfulness in general and sort of noticing what's below the surface or what's in our subconscious awareness. Mm -hmm. And um, as we begin to like track that more rather than like our external experience, um, we're sort of naturally led to places and people um, and can kind of be in the right place at the right time. And, um, you know, uh, what's the phrase? It's like um, the earth is dreaming us up, so mm. to speak. Um, mm. And we sort of are becoming, um, protectors of the earth mm -hmm. and we do that by um, you know really listening to what is being called for um, and you know our I, I like to think that our hearts are you know the same rhythm or the same heartbeat of the earth so when mm -hmm. we tune into our own heart and we naturally tune in to not just the earth but the great community at large definitely um and yeah, I think, uh, you know, Stacy and I, and probably the good majority of our listeners would completely agree with you that, you know, our heartbeat and the earth's heartbeat, you know, is we just, is everything just kind of sinks that way. Or um, at least, you know, that's how it should be. You know, it should be a sinking of that way. And, 
you know, when we don't, um, when our heartbeats don't sink, you know, that's kind of when we have situations that are going on now, I believe, you know, um, and I, I know it's, it's not, you know, like, this is the only reason why COVID happened was because our heartbeats aren't singing with the earth. No, that, that I'm not saying that it's, it's, you know, it could be a million different things, but I believe, you know, that could be one of the million different things, you know, and, um, I'm actually curious to, to know, so what kind of different modalities do you use uh, in your own practice to, you know, sync your heartbeat with the heartbeat of the earth, to get the messages that you get from the earth? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, tuning into the heart is quite a process. <laughs> we often get... Um, signs or information or desires that um, our rational brain comes in and tries to cover up. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my personal practice has been learning to disengage the rational mind. I like to think of it as, you know, what we only use like 10% of our brain or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like to encourage I, not the irrational, but the non-rational parts of our brain in the practice. And um, so for me, being willing to trust, um, trust the desires that um, my heart is speaking to me has basically been, <laughs> been the whole practice. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, on our paths, we're going to keep running into blocks and we're going to keep running into the same, you know, like core fears that we have. And um, each time when we come to those, we have the opportunity to say or to see um, the illusion of fear and choose to continue even when we are afraid. And then each time we allow ourselves to do that, we sort of reinforce the trust in ourselves, which kind of triple uh trickles out and helps other people do the same so we kind of act as a permission field for one another um and you know i i still meditate often and i do journey work often the core part of my practice has been has been journey work um and sort of seeking for deeper information not just in the mind, but like what's going on in the world and um, in the collective field or with this tree that I'm sitting next to um, and any opportunity we have to kind of like expand our awareness beyond just the rational brain um, gives us access to more information so that we can make choices that are more aligned with, you know, with our heart and with um, higher service. So can you say a little bit more about that? Just like when someone is connecting or sitting next to a tree or a flower or plant, like how would one connect to that energy of yeah. that, that plant? Mm -hmm. You know, formally in using journey work, you might actually journey to that tree. Um, and in shamanic practice, um, basically everything has a energy or an essence to it. So one of the things we're working on is tuning in directly with that essence rather than again, like the external part of the thing. So you can do it like formally with journey work, but also you can just sit quietly. And if you have a meditation practice, kind of watch what enters your awareness or consciousness. 
by and large, most people actually are way more in tune than they realize. Um, we just don't really have a lot of um, structures in at least the American culture that support it. So most of the time people just do this naturally anyway, but we sort of tuck these things away or feel like we're crazy or just kind of need some um, permission from others to have our own experience. Like, so you can get that when we share share spiritual, spiritual journeys with one another, share our dreams with one another, share our um, shamanic journeys with one another. And oftentimes, you know, you might be in a room and, you know, people think of the same song at the same time, or, you know, somebody thinks of a person and then they walk in. So we have this experience all the time, um, but we don't tend to track it. So when we start tracking it more, we can see that it arises more. And in that way, when we're sitting next to that tree, what enters our awareness, we can um, sort of have more trust mm -hmm. in our experience with that. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And it, it really makes me think about, you know, how separate we are in just mainstream culture, you know, and, and it wasn't even until, I don't know, we recently, um, that I even realized that there were outside of like more indigenous cultures that there were shamans, um, you know, even like in Ireland, you know, and that I had never really connected that with um, to, but to recognize that there are, you know, that shamanism really is at the roots of a lot of culture. And so recognizing that we, you know, can tap into, you know, just, you know, our own cultures, you know, shaman roots. Um, uh, and then, you know, but as well as recognizing that we are also in tune, you know, and, and we're more in tune than we realize, but we're so distracted by the outside world that we're not stopping and paying attention to how the energy is really connecting us um, or how connected we really are to say a plant or the tree or just mother earth in general. But when we can stop and really pay attention and listen um, that we can receive those answers more so and we don't have to go outside of ourselves but it's really within. Uh, I mean, certainly um, indigenous cultures hold a lot of wisdom Mm -hmm. And also, um, we're all children of the earth. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the calls um, to those in Western or in American culture or in white culture, um, you know, is to find sort of their, the indigenous part of themselves. Mm -hmm. I wish I could remember years ago, I was listening to a talk and I, and I can't remember the name of the gentleman that was speaking. And I believe he was a Peruvian shaman. And there was a question around having visitors and they found people in this like semi um, indigenous community, like with TVs in their homes. And they're kind of like, oh, I didn't really expect to see this. And he had the best take on it because his thought was like, well, um, you know, like Americans have been like doing this for decades and we've been holding down the fort, so to speak. Um, and now it's your turn. We get to, you know, <laughs> hang out and, you know, have a different experience and maybe you guys can hold down the fort now. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, a, it's still a collaborative effort, but there, again, we sort of have that like other side of the circle, you know? Mm -hmm. 
that's that's uh (laughs) that's really cool and yeah i mean you know you're right there's always you know the two sides to the coin kind of thing you know and uh when when you were saying that it it was silly but kind of the thing that popped up in my head was you know almost like a a parent and a child you know and when the the child is growing up the parent takes Mm -hmm. care of the child and when the parent grows old the child takes care of the parent Mm -hmm. you know it's it's a it's just this beautiful kind of exchange um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's where that shaman was going. Maybe not. I don't know, but that's kind of what it, what, uh, interpreted to me. Um, but one, one of the questions that actually I have, and I've had for a while, um, because I do, I do believe that, you know, part of my calling, part of the reason why I'm here is, has something to do with some type of shamanic practice. I'm not really sure in what context yet, but, me personally, when I think of a shaman, you know, I think of, you know, the, the dressed up in, you know, bones and feathers and shaking the rattles and, you know, just this very like larger than life persona. Um, and then, you know, kind of like uh, what, what uh, Stacy was talking about recently, I've noticed that no shamans, you know, they, they can be like that, but they're also not like that. You know, they're kind of what they are. And um, that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be, you know, born into it or chosen for it or something like that. So my question is, can anyone become a shaman? Um, I think so. I do believe that there are individuals that are more naturally attuned or come in gifted in that way. Um, And... I also believe that it is something that we can learn as individuals and it doesn't necessarily have to be your life calling in this. I mean, the same way that, um, you know, you can learn yoga and practice yoga and maybe even teach some yoga, but not, you know, give your life over to becoming this, you know, heightened spiritual yogi. You can also be part of integrated modern society. Um, and, and I think of it as like psych, psychic abilities too. Yeah, there are some people that come in that are naturally, you know, more gifted as psychic, but also it's just part of our nature. It's just a natural ability that we have as humans. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I see it as um, really an opportunity for individuals to take on what used to be the responsibility of maybe one or two people within a small community and now we're taking that responsibility um, as individuals for ourselves. I think that's really beautiful. And, you know, recognizing that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing and that we can, you know, do what is called to us. Um, I know for me personally, I was invited down um, to Belize to study with the mind, a mind shaman down there. Um, and also Peru. So I'm really excited to experience both cultures, both, you know, realms, but, you know, it doesn't mean I it, it might take on a new path, you know, for whatever it might look like, I don't know, but, um, but recognizing, you know, what's calling to that, um, you know, in this time in my life, but um, so recognizing it doesn't have to be this all or nothing, but what is feeling good, what is being called to me, um, or whoever, you know, what, what experiences are being called to them, um, you know, and maybe it's, doing some, you know, journeying on the weekend or taking a workshop and, you know, um, but incorporating some of these deeper modalities, deeper perspectives into their lives to 
fully, you know, maybe connect with earth a little bit more and recognize that the way of life that we're living in this culture, in this American culture, or this, you know, mainstream culture, not just Americans, because I know I've got lots of people listening to this um, all over the world, but, you know, recognizing that it doesn't have to be the way that we are. There's, you know, a deeper inner journey and connecting with the inner self to connect with the world. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, um, I noticed, I shared this because this is something that I um, noticed in myself, especially after having quite a few years of experience um, with shamanic practice and then seeing the popularity start to grow. So there were, I mean, you know, I went through a lot of different stages with like panic, like, oh no, it's gonna be watered down and diluted and everybody's gonna do it wrong um, to, then you know excitement of like oh wow this is actually a good thing the more people that can have this experience then the better right and also there is a piece of um a little bit of fear for me with like oh if more people learn how to do this then i won't be special anymore there's not mm -hmm. like a thing that makes me different from other people mm -hmm. so that was like a big um that was a big piece to look at as well as realizing I, I mean, I don't think that healers and psychics and shamans are special. This is a part of being human. And we might be on the path to um, remembering that part of us. Mm. And also, we still have the opportunity to, we're probably going to be teaching or working with people who are, you know, one or two steps behind where we are on our path. So we just have the opportunity to, you know, work with those people. And that doesn't mean that because there's a shaman uh, a couple streets down that they're somehow taking away mm -hmm. from something that I might be seeking or getting, you know? Sure, yeah. There was so. a lot of fear for me around that. It's like, oh, who will I be? What, what can I cling on to mm -hmm. if other people become, you know, get the thing that I'm into? Mm -hmm. And now yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's like, wow, actually, there's more connection now. Yeah. Recognizing that there's more than enough for everyone and that you're planting seeds for people, um, you know, that may be, that might need to hear that message and helping the earth evolve as we continue to move forward. That's really beautiful. I, you know, and I, we, we were looking at your website, um, which is really beautiful. You have a lot of great content on there. Um, and so there's a, an article that you wrote, Dissolving the Barrier Between Dreams and Reality. Um, so it was really interesting. Um, and you write, you wrote on there, uh, slowly I am beginning to speak my truth from a deeper place in my waking life. It seems the more that I do this, the thinner the veil gets between the worlds. I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that and explain explain this a little bit and maybe how someone might tap into that mm -hmm. um, I think, um boundaries between one thing and another are sort of dissolving anyway we see this in lots of ways um in science and spirituality we see this in gender we see this in race in sharing of ideas and um in the same way i think that's part of why the awakening as we might call it is accelerating right now um so the mm -hmm. veil is already that boundary is kind of dissolving 
and that sort of age of separation is dissolving and we're sort of reintegrating all of these different parts of being human. Mm -hmm. And and the same is true with a dream practice. So you have the dream self, which tends to be oriented towards the internal and the waking self, which tends to be oriented to the external. And so what I've noticed over the years is, um, you know, watching what appears in my dreams to point to um, maybe some shadow parts or some pieces for me to work on. And so in this particular case, in the article, I was speaking a lot about um, like one of my major common shadow dreams was having an experience where I need to scream and nothing can come out um, and started to notice, you know, how often, um, you know, I tuck my voice away and or, you know, don't share all of the thing or speak around the thing. That's probably that's probably more accurately how I would describe you know, avoiding being direct. And so once I started becoming aware of that, you know, and introducing mindfulness, I could practice that more in my waking life. And then as I did that more in my waking life, I noticed that I would have dreams that would sort of reflect my progress. Um, and then of course, the other question is, well, which one comes first? <laughs> and it seems that they tend to arise together, right? And um, yeah, the more we kind of can pay attention to what happens in our dreams they can it, that boundary between that like internal understanding of ourselves and external understanding of ourselves that boundary also begins to dissolve so we can have a more integrated um, experience here on earth nice and uh yeah and actually uh one thing that that i've kind of learned too um is that you know with shamanism, um, that dream work is, is big. Dream work is very big, you know, in, in shamanism. And I know, um, from different type of shamanic cultures, they, they kind of do their dream work a little bit differently. Um, one, for one example, um, you know, the, the shaman in, a you know, central and South America, they'll get, uh, a tea, a drink, just, you know, something that, um, that they like or that will help enhance their dreams and they set it by their bedside table and they go to sleep and then they set an alarm either internally or externally for 4 a.m because 4 a.m is the that's the time when the veil is the thinnest right so they'll 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 sip their tea they'll set their intention and they'll go back to sleep and that's when they do you know their dream work so and i i find dream work really really fascinating um and i was wondering if you could just talk a little bit more uh, about the dream work, you know, how, how you do your dream work process and how, you know, that continues to create your ideal reality. Mm -hmm. I think the most foundational piece with dream work is creating a practice where you let your dreams know that you want them and that you're listening. Um, <laughs> When I was younger, um, I also played, I had an, uh, like a spontaneous lucid dreaming experience, um, which you, you kind of like woke me up to that part um, or that there is more here. And then I became curious about that. And so one of the practices that I used, and again, this is sort of just to like reinforce with your dreaming self that you, you're listening, you want it. And so I would ask myself throughout the day, 
um, actually what happened in that lucid dream is I kind of like sort of could just like float up in the air and start flying around. Right. And then I wouldn't be able to necessarily control what was happening in the dream, but I was aware that I was in the dream. So I began to ask myself that question in my waking life. I would sort of just like take a peek around real quick and then try to like float up and check, can I float up? And if I couldn't, then be like, okay, okay, I'm awake. And then that became such a habit in my daily life that it then became a habit in my dreaming life so that then I would just do it in my dream. And then I would be fine. I was like, oh, shoot, <laughs> I'm in the dream now. Uh, <laughs> but also, you know, our dreams, um, our dreams do largely come from our subconscious awareness. So there's things that our waking self might not be aware of or in tune with yet. Um, so we can kind of like, when we pay attention to our dreams, we can um, dig up um, deeper things that are wanting to come to the surface. And, you know, manifesting is also an interesting process because it's not really like one or the other. It's not like there's like, I want this thing, so I'm going to make it happen, but that's part of it. Mm -hmm. The other part is also like this thing is wanting me. So I'm allowing it to be so. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a way that we can be it, you know, every practice has layers and we tend to start out with like more of this, like fundamental, like rigid idea of how to do a thing. And then as we practice, we kind of like grow into like a more holistic version of that. So a lot of times with manifesting work, we start out with like, oh, I want to get this thing. Um, and then as we sort of grow in our practice, we realize, um, I call it compassionate manifesting, that it's actually not about like what you want and like getting this ideal life, but it's not, not about that either. They kind of work together and it's like not this, um, you know, dual thing in the end. So can you say just a little bit more about that as far as like how might one might distinguish the difference and you know what is because I think a lot of times for um, there's a lot of frustration people want to manifest these things and you know they might run into roadblocks and, and, and maybe it's because that thing didn't wasn't ready for them or they you know that that's not their path at that time or you know but something else came into their life um so i'm wondering if you can kind of maybe talk a little bit about that it is a tricky thing it's a practice um there is a part of it that is using our logic and our mind and creating um goals and a plan or a ladder, so to speak. And then there's the other side of it, which is um, surrendering. Mm -hmm. And there's a way that we can kind of shut down um, that unfolding when we try to do the name it and claim it part. But then we constantly like look over our shoulder to see, well, did I get it yet? Did I get it yet? Mm -hmm. um, and I do agree that most of the, you can't really get it wrong. Um, but it might take a couple tries and each try you learn more. And so I think, um, I think it's a combination of just being okay with that unfolding, um, mixed with, with doing your inner work and being willing to look and see mm, how we tend to keep turning right at a point, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. 
So it sounds like just really maybe, yeah, like you said, continuing to do that inner work and then surrendering as the process goes, um, as you move into um, your your reality or your um, what you're trying to manifest, and you know, letting go of the outcome, but maybe honoring where you're at and what is coming into your life at that time. Right, exactly. And, you know, the universe, the universe runs on intention, but it also works in its own time, you know? So yeah, so you're saying, you know, I want this. Looking over the shoulder, why is it not here yet? Why is it not here yet? Why is it not here yet? Well, it's because you haven't let it go. You know, you, you set the intention, that's good. So the universe heard you, but you're still hanging on, you're like you're still clinging to it. You're still, you know, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. And it's just this, this from my experience, the universe just doesn't work that way, you know? You, you set the intention, you let it go, and that's when, you know, the flower kind of opens up. Yeah. yeah, and that's a great a great point. You know, it brings up the question of when, when I'm tuning into a desire or a vision, um, very recently in my curriculum, the question has been um, getting closer to like, well, what do I think that thing is going to give me? And actually, can I give that to myself now? Mm. Instead of um, like always looking forward to like this future thing that will somehow save me or make it all better. Mm. And then, you know, again, to speak to the piece of just, you know, our fears, we all tend to have a few, you know, core things that really trigger us the most, um, you know, um, losing connection or um, um, you know being being truly at peace or not being in relationship with others and so we get to these places and our rational brain comes in and says or our ego comes in and says oh if you do this this might you know this might turn out bad and um, being able to see what is calling you forward and understand that you're still going to have you're still going to have painful experiences and you're still going to have blocks and these fears are going to come back but not allowing those moments to have you turn away from your path mm -hmm. yeah i like that because you know in the past you know years ago it was um you know when i first started manifesting or you know really putting those visions out there it was more about money and you know spiritual or not spiritual but um monetary gains and you know but then you know when i really started to self-reflect you know i was had to really look deep and, and say well what is this why do i want this money you know what is this money really leading me to what am, what is the feeling that i really want you know and it was freedom and to you know okay so what what can i do to get freedom and where can I feel that freedom already within? And when I started to really tap into that, that really moved my energy a lot more. And would you know it, like money started flowing a little bit more and so did other things and time freedom and, you know, all these other areas of freedom. And so that was, you know, really, it's, it's, so it's not what's outside, it's what's happening within. Cause when we start changing the inner feelings, the inner landscape, that's when the outer reality starts to really change. 
earlier on in my spiritual practice, well before, for, for years, I sort of just um, practiced through word of mouth. You know, I, I worked in other areas and I definitely at that point was not okay with calling myself a shaman or advertising. Um, I mostly worked with um, like donation-based exchanges with like a suggested am amount that's appropriate. And, <clears throat> and during that time, um, I found myself often also frustrated because I knew that this was something that um, I was here to do and wanted to do more. And there's this, and I always throughout my whole life, people would always, you know, even when I was a kid, they're like, oh, you'd be a good counselor. You'd be a good spiritual teacher or a good life coach. And my reaction was always like, yes, I would love to do that. Why, why doesn't somebody just say, hey, can you, can you do this for me? <laughs> and I noticed the same thing at that time in, um, in my shamanic work where I would often sort of like give myself over to the spirits and be like, okay, do the thing now. And then realizing like, oh, also you actually have to help yourself. <laughs> and, and so just like having that moment of like, oh, also, you know, there's a way that we can tune into what's being called for, but we also have to take part in the process. And so we can use our will not to be leading us, not to be like pushing, 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 make it happen, make it happen, but to be in service to, you know, what we're being called to. And recognizing that it's a co-creative process. Yeah, we have to be, we have to show up and um, it's about the empowerment from within that we get to co-create um, and that we're not victims to our experience, but we can create our own reality. And there's other people, you know, and they, you know, we operate on many different dimensions. So we're going to constantly be bumping up to other people's experiences um, on many different layers. Mm. And um, you know, that's okay. Those are opportunities for us to learn and, you know, choose to orient more towards the kind of like dimension or experience that we want to have. And then when we bump into somebody who is on sort of like that different, different layer, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And so being able to like honor each other for wherever we are in that journey, I think is also an important part of the process. Yeah, and that uh, that actually reminds me, and I think I think I've said this on previous podcasts, but it's just it's one of my favorite you know little sayings. But it's like what Ram Das said: we're all just trying to walk each other home, you know. And uh, yeah, there's you know there's somebody that's got to grab you by the hand, and then eventually you're going to grab somebody else by the hand, and it's just it's just going to keep going back and forth, you know. And I think that's that is one of the most like incredibly beautiful things about in my opinion about like spiritual ascension spiritual awareness all that it it isn't and you know my my brain kind of thinks the same as your brain katie joe where it's like it's almost like a competition you know like oh you gotta climb the ladder faster you gotta climb the ladder faster but in in like the spiritual you know the spiritual realm business practice it's it's not that way you know it's it's more complementary than competitive you know and i've i've noticed that too and it's kind of blown my mind a little bit to where you know i eventually would have to say i don't know what i'm you know doing i have questions and whoever i'm talking to 
I'd be happy to hear the questions, you know, and there's no judgment and it's, it's, it's beautiful. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, with, uh, with other, you know, light workers and, and spiritual people starting to kind of open up, um, it'll be a little bit more of complimentary than competitive from here on out. That made me think there's also, you know, with um, walking each other home, there's a way we can be like on one side of the street and then like a helper comes back and takes our hand and walks us to the other side of the street. Yeah. And then once we're on the other side of the street, we look back at when we were on the first side of the street mm -hmm. and we hate that version of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and then in turn, what we do is we end up um, making the people that are still on that side of the street wrong. Mm. Like this is the best side now and everybody should be over on this side mm -hmm. rather than being grateful for being on that side of the street and then, you know, continuing on our journey and then seeing when somebody else wants to cross, being able to walk back and walk with them mm. back across again. It makes me just think too, just about the shift, I think, in our own, our culture, the world, the planet, I don't know, just how we've been in this very dualistic society. And so it's either, it's either or but it's recognizing that it is, we're all on the journey and there is no good or bad. It's, it's just what it is. We have to just appreciate and love each other in our own journeys and spiritual ascension, because that's when we can separate our, um, ourselves from the ego or, you know, or the, you know, that the judgments, you know, there's recognizing we don't need to judge each other because that just creates separation even more so. So tell us a little bit, um, Katie Jo, about, you know, how shamanism um, and your intuitive and psychic skills have helped you in your own shadow work. Ooh. Hmm. I think, um, Part of the journey with shamanism for me has been um, recognizing and sink, sinking deeper into a sense of belonging to the earth. And so there's a way that I trust that the earth sort of has my back. Mm -hmm. And um, that has given me permission to go to some of the darker places. I was thinking about this recently also because I, I've, I've certainly explored a lot of psychology and done some of the shadow work. And then I was also like, what is shadow, what actually is shadow work anyway, you know? And um, I think that for me, um, part of it has been really, to go back to our previous um, thought, has really been learning to love others that look different than me or have different values. Um, and even though I have my own internal stuff and trauma and ways that I want to be better, um, I find that actually for me, just sinking deeper into love with one another has been the more powerful teacher. That certainly doesn't mean that there's not things that I want to see be better in the world or that I don't think are a problem. And, um, you know, instead of um, like approaching racism, for example, as in like, you're racist, you're bad, um, wanting to 
see what is causing that for that person and also honoring their part in the community as um, being the ones that expose how we can be better um, because that's not an easy path to take i can't imagine and and i've had my own journeys with sort of learning to be the bad guy and um it's freaking hard <laughs> even when it is in higher service mm -hmm. and so the more opportunities we have to be able to um, point out or challenge the way things are but to do it from consciousness instead of our wounds i think the quicker we'll see things turn over I feel like that was kind of a sidetracked <laughs> question no it sounds beautiful yeah i mean just but recognizing you know that where the wounds are um, in the, the world, but then also recognizing when we are coming into it from a higher state of consciousness, that's really where we can dive into create, creating awareness and change to appreciate and love differences rather than create separation or the illusion of separation. Yeah, and certainly I, I think the bulk of this work is done internally. And also, you know, like in this case, you can, you can both one informs the other and vice versa. So, you know, there's a way that when I can give myself the opportunity to love somebody else that represents something that I hate in myself, then I can slowly give myself permission to actually turn to that part of myself and look at it. It's beautiful. Yeah. That, yeah comes back down to it really starts with the inner journey yeah and uh you know being able to um you know embrace the the parts in you that you might ne not necessarily like you know and uh to be able to you know you you accept them in someone else why can't you accept them you know in yourself and it's almost the you know i just i just got this visual of you know the 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 caterpillar and the butterfly you know the caterpillar some some of the caterpillars are kind of you know freaky looking you know some of them are a little weird um and you know then they cocoon up and then her emerges this this butterfly you know and but the caterpillar didn't think that the caterpillar was weird or or bad or something like that it embraced what it was and then when it embraced what it was it was able to shed whatever that was, and then bloom into something, you know, incredible, you know, so, um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I do uh, have a little bit of trouble every now and again with, you know, embracing those parts of me that I think are, you know, ugly or bad or, you know, insert negative word here, you know, so, something like that but yeah it's it's you know when you when you focus on that in a, in a negative sense and you know oh well you know i'm i'm bad because of this or i'm ugly because of this or you know or i'm bad or i'm ugly or whatever instead of you know embracing it you know i i accept this part of me for who i am right now that doesn't mean that, that this this is not this this is not my forever form you know, it's, it's constant, constant evolution, you know, so, so I can embrace who I am now in hopes for, 
to, to become a, a better version of me in the future. But if I didn't embrace, you know, the negative or the, the bad things or whatever in me now, they're just going to carry with me into the future, you know? So uh, as, as again, it's easier said than done, a lot easier said than done. But if we are able to, you know, kind of start in that path, just like it, just like practice with everything else, it will become a little easier and it will become a little more flow and maybe eventually it'll become second nature. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a way that like those disassociated parts of ourselves are, it's like cutting off your arm mm -hmm. and it's a lot harder to function when you're in a whole bunch of separate pieces. Right. And not all the shadow parts are necessarily pieces. Well, maybe they're pieces that we think of as bad, but maybe even parts of ourselves that we feel like didn't keep us safe. Mm. Um, and I had, um, I've had a long journey with, um, uh, dealing with sexual trauma and the piece of me that probably was the deepest shadow was um, innocence and <clears throat> had only associated like that sort of like innocent child part of myself. Like, I really made that really bad because that's the part that got me hurt, right? And, and it was so interesting to watch that and think about in innocence and realize that like I only can see the negative connotations of that part of myself and um, you know so even in looking at that it was like oh actually joy is tied to this innocence and you know kind of being like go with the flow and being like knowing that the earth will take care of me that's all tied together and so when we say that your you know gifts are with your shadows like that's it it's so it's so accurate um, and so it's not necessarily just like where we could be better, but where are we not seeing the whole of some part of ourselves? Yeah, that makes me really think about just, you know, my own journey and being vulnerable, you know, vulnerable to my own emotions. And, you know, is it okay to feel sad? Is it okay to feel anger? You know, and, and um, you know, recognizing that that vulnerability is part of being human and you know when we shame ourselves for having those emotions you know that just creates more um discord between who we are and 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 you know our light because when we can't go into those feelings or we make that part of ourselves wrong or bad or i shouldn't feel this or why did I, you know, react in this way? Or, you know, we just continue to perpetuate that. But when we can say, okay, I need to embrace this emotion right now. I need to embrace these feelings, this grief, this, you know, this anger. Anger is a natural emotion, which a lot of people are afraid of feeling. I know I, I was for many years. Um, but when we can truly tap into those emotions and not shame ourselves, or, or make us make ourselves feel bad or wrong for those feelings, then we, that's, it's so freeing because then we can fully embrace our humanness and recognize that we're all on this path. These emotions are all part of who we are and our expressions of human, being human. Yeah. Speaking again to the inner and the outer, you know, I think a lot of um, the inner work is moving from this like 
this like triangular model that there's like a, a sending point to get to, or there's like a higher place to get to, or, and that there's things that are keeping us tied down. And we also see this um, in our relationships with one another, like that person is up a point, that person's down a point, this person's doing better, this person's doing worse. And we see this in, in hierarchy models of business with, mm. you know, like top down and we're shifting back to that circular model. Um, and we can do it with all of this wisdom that we've gained over the last several centuries. And I think that we're at a important point to um, be able to honor the patterns of the past. Um, and we can, it can be very tricky because as we're um, becoming more aware and conscious of the bigger picture, there can be a way that we want to make that wrong. We want to make all of the stuff that's happened in the last century or longer um, and all these places where we feel like shame for how we've been as humans that we kind of want to make it wrong. And it's like, I think of it as laying a person to rest. You know, if your grandfather is there dying and he's done some bad things in his life, um, are you going to kick him in the neck? Or are you going to kiss him on the forehead and give him flowers and let him move on and move on to a new cycle now? And it's tricky because yes, anger is there and I, and I get it. And there is a lot of power in anger too. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of figuring out how we can integrate both parts of those into our story. You know, we see what we've done. Thank you for showing us. And now we're starting a new, a new version. Absolutely. And really but taking the time, I think, to feel that, and it doesn't have to last forever. I think we, you know, just with those emotions, we rec we feel like it they're gonna harm us or kill us because they're so painful. But when we go into the depths of those emotions and feel the anger on a physical level, that's the power where we can fully release that and you know move forward with forgiveness um, and recognize that. But that is where the inner work is coming from. We have to go into those, the depths of those feelings to move forward so we can heal ourselves within, right? Doing that inner journey so that the, the earth, mother earth, the, the, the world will, will really start to open up and heal. So tell us um, a little bit about what, because it sounds like you do a lot of healing work um, in your um, shamanic practice. And so tell us a little bit about what one might expect from receiving healing from you. One of the um, principles, I guess, or the ways that I like to work is um, there was a time, I think, where again, sort of the, the shaman of a community uh, might be taking responsibility for the wellness or at least the psycho-spiritual wellness of a group. And at one point um, they might do a thing to a person to help them. And while I definitely believe that we can um, perform miracles with one another, and my intent is to help individuals um, do it for themselves. So when uh, I work with individuals, um, I'm sort of like you said, like holding holding your hand, walking you across the street. So um, my job is to um, listen to what you're calling in for yourself, 
and help point you to where you might be blocked or what you might not be seeing and then help facilitate an interaction with that part and maybe coach you through actually removing that block rather than and not and again not that there's anything wrong with different ways to approach healing um but rather than having you like lay on my table and I do a thing and you might feel better, but you have no idea what the heck just happened to you, you know? So I like to work that way. I feel like it's empowering to individuals. And then they also have the tools to see when that moment or that situation comes up again, how to respond and practice some self-care afterwards. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, I work in a lot of different ways. Um, I find that a lot of folks tend to uh, want to work with me because they're either somewhere at the beginning of their awakening journey um, or largely because they've had a recently deceased person in their life. And so in those moments, often the veil can be very thin. And that's oftentimes sort of like this tripping point for starting the spiritual journey. Um, so um, part of the process with me is I might guide you to some of those sort of more cosmic places that we're all really interested in exploring. Um, and um, the inner work is part of that process. Um, and again, like we might have some patterns like being being the victim or being the bad guy or not having or having self doubt. And just because we're working in like a spiritual realm doesn't mean that you won't still experience that pattern. So um, my goal is to help clear those patterns for you so that you can have a beautiful experience with the spiritual realms and maybe even you know become the hollow bone yourself be able to um absorb more awareness from the experience thank you thank you for sharing that that, that sounds like a lovely i'm experiencing it sounds like really giving empowering people to find the tools within themselves um, rather than going somewhere and saying here fix me <laughs> kind of thing, which is, doesn't happen, right? Because we we can't expect someone else to, to quote unquote, fix us because well, one, you know, we're not broken, but two, that that healing journey is a, an inner experience and co-creative too. Yeah. And certainly as a practitioner, I mean, you guys know you, I think that there's, especially earlier on in the journey as um, a healer, there's a way that you feel like you're doing a thing to others. And then you're like, oh, actually, I'm just healing myself. And, mm. you know, yes, yes, definitely. It just happens to ripple out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So Katie Jo, um, tell us a little, tell our listeners how they can find you and, and what you're currently working on. Sure. Um, my website is my last name. It's coltonhealingarts.com. And um, I work with individuals. And I also offer an online shamanic training program. So that's something that you can join at any time. And it's um, especially geared towards um, people that have a little bit of experience in the healing arts in some way and want to either deepen their practice or are maybe naturally a little intuitive and want to specifically start a shamanic healing business. Um, and so that you know includes everything from yoga teachers, massage therapists, um, acupuncturists to um, Reiki practitioners and you know adding more layers to their already you know blossoming healing business. 
um, to individuals that are kind of hearing that calling to step into their healing path. Um, and I promise that I've gone through a lot of the a lot of the fears around stepping out there, around um, ethics and being okay with monetary exchange and you know being willing to show up as I am. And so um, largely a part of the process, probably the biggest piece is really self-trust. And then we get to learn some really cool ways to work with people and help them sort of um, clear their own patterns and also work with um, the spirits. Beautiful. Well, thank you. And we'll put all your links um, in the show notes so people can have access to that. And so I just want to thank you so much for being here today, Katie Joe, and sharing your wisdom and experience and um, your life's journey with us. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. And so thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you like this show, share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you want to support the work that we're doing, please consider making a donation to our show by visiting our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And until next time, love yourself, love each other and love the world. We love you guys. Love you guys. Take care. Talk to you later. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Chrissy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And thank you for hopping on the Ascension bus with us. And remember, there is always a seat for you.